0: Welcome to Edify Presents at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our hosts this evening, Edify founders Liam Klimek and Will Reed. Hi everyone, thanks for coming down. It's, uh, it's a privilege to have so many of you down to join us today to talk about um, life, writing publications in this day and age, in the, in the digital age. We've got a, uh, a great selection of guests here for you, so without... Without further ado, can I welcome Tom from Breaks Magazine, Alex from The Daily Street, James from ID Magazine, and Cell from Dummy. Good order. Well done, guys.
1: Hey, guys. Hello. Thanks for joining us this evening.
2: Hello. Um, so us. just
1: to get things sort of uh, underway, uh, starting with you, Tom, if you could possibly just do a, a little introduction uh, on what, on who you are and what you do for, for anybody that is
2: unaware. Okay, uh, My name's... Can we hear me all right? Yeah. Um, my name's Tom, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Breaks Magazine, which is a uh, quarterly online magazine that focuses on original content we create ourselves rather than regurgitating sort of PR press
3: release and that sort of thing. Yep. Cool, um, my name's Alex. I'm one of the co-founders of The Daily Street, and we're like a UK-focused blog for men's fashion and lifestyle, essentially. That sums it up. Very
4: concise. James. Hello. Uh, James Hutchins. I um, work at ID Magazine. I'm an editorial assistant over there. Been there since um, October 2012. Um, yeah, basically, I work on the music side of things over ID, all the music editorial.
5: Uh, my name's Sal. I am currently the acting editor at Dummy Mag, which is a new music website dedicated to cut sort of cutting-edge pop music.
1: Perfect. Thank you. Uh, hello. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. So onwards, uh, the first thing we always like to do is sort of get a little background on who you guys are and maybe look at what you were doing and, and how you found yourself working in writing, uh, journalism, from a cultural perspective, music perspective. So, with you being sort of, you know, at the heart of Dummy's writing team, how, how did you find yourself pursuing a career in journalism?
5: Uh, so, I was always interested and always wanted to do me to journalism. I was always a total nerd for the nitty gritty of it, just uh, obsessively so, since I was about 16. Um, actually, getting to Dummy was surprisingly simple. Um, I started off as an intern back in September 2012. Um, and it just basically just went from there. I got I've, I've been working from since. That was as soon as I was straight out of university. Um, so it's I've just been lucky enough to be writing about music for a, a full time job for well since I graduated basically. So. And was that just a matter of sort of sending the email saying hey? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just getting in touch with them saying I was keen to intern. I mean I've been breeding dummy for a few years, so uh, it's really important that like it was somewhere that I actually wanted to be. So. And well, I guess that was why they kept me on afterwards. So that's cool. Uh, and then James, so is that a
1: similar story for yourself? Is is that how was you know was journalism something that you always thought
4: you would find yourself doing? Uh, funnily enough, it wasn't actually. I was just I, I always wanted to wanted to be a DJ. Really wanted to get involved in in, <laughs> in that kind of thing. But then um, I uh, I left uni and started working um, in music PR. Just, yeah, firing out emails so um, to various PRs see if I can get an internship. Uh, managed to get an internship um, with an online music blog called uh, Pulse Radio. Okay. So I started working with those guys. Fine. And then from there, I met um, a friend of mine called Adam, who runs a PR company called Exclusive Promo. And then from there, um, I went from working with him to working at ID. I thought I didn't want to be the person <laughs> trying to hassle all these um, journalists so I wanted to just thought, why not be on the other side of trying to pitch? So yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll just keep going down the line. Alex, I mean,
1: is it a different story with, with starting The Daily Stream? Uh,
3: yeah, it's a slightly different story. I'm not, like, I never really intended to be a journalist, for starters. I wanted to end up in the music industry as well. I studied that at uni. Uh, that's where I met Adam and Jamie, who I started the site with. Um, I guess it was more born out of I guess I enjoyed writing. I like When I sit down and do it, I don't like the idea of having to do it, I guess. But uh, I think I enjoyed what we write about more than kind of being a journalist. And then, well, that was in between second and Actually, third year yeah, of uni when we started the site, and it's kind of just snowballed from there. And, yeah, as long as I keep enjoying it, then I'll keep doing it, I guess. And Tom?
2: Cool. Um, with me, it was... Uh Breaks Magazine came out of a similar project that, that sort of predated it. So we had a, the, I actually met Alex through this okay. and, and Adam's in the audience who started Dead Street as well. I uh, had a uh, blog called Breaks of Ten We did for three years. Yeah. And um, that sort of tailed off and we, we saw a gap in... Um, and actually, well, our music editor today in the red jacket, Louis, um, we sort of... He had a blog a music blog as well and, and we sort of saw a need to, to fill... What we saw was a gap for original content. There wasn't really anybody putting out stuff that we wanted to read and about people we wanted to read about. And uh, it came about because of that. But I never studied to be a journalist. And I never, it was more out of just the arrogance of being, well, you know, put something in the maybe people will read it and see it goes from there, really. And with the team at Breaks now, and this, this sort of yep.
1: is open to everybody, with the guys that you work with, you know, people that, do you feel that everyone that writes, everyone that's surrounding you that writes, do you feel that they all have this just just desperation for people to hear their opinions on these cultural sort of? I think, things.
2: I think desperation is the wrong word, but it was more like um, <laughs> it was more just uh, it, it, it was more of like a sort of we, we couldn't find anything we wanted to do uh, we uh, we wanted to read that we felt you know to what we were interested in so it was more like well let's create it ourselves and it was it was that sort of attitude rather than like oh I have to be heard I have to be heard like you know
3: give me attention. <laughs> uh, but... uh, I'm not going to lie, I think there is a part of it that you kind of want the idea that people care about what you're saying and what your opinion is, definitely. It's not the main reason for writing at all. Yeah. Uh, I think you kind of, you start it because you want to be involved in something, in a culture or in a scene. For us, it was UK streetwear and sneakers or trainers, as they should be called here. But um, then it does go on that when you build an audience, you kind of, you do get addicted to kind of talking to that audience and seeing how they react, definitely.
1: And then James, with you being at ID and ID having that sort of automated platform, how did that feel? How, how was that sort of your first published article with ID? Was that?
4: It was a it was a really cool feeling, like having something on ID, and because ID is you know really big. And uh, when I was when I first wrote something for them, I was like, wow, there's like, I feel really, really, really privileged and really lucky to kind of have something on there, and then kind of get into the swing of it, and you realise that people are actually reading it when you get feedback on numbers, and um, you know, clicks through to, to, your, uh, to your piece, and it's, it's kind of, it feels rewarding. And then there's, I feel like there's a bit of an element of it that can, as you say, like be addictive, and like you kind of think that people care about what you're saying and have like got an interest in what you have to say, which is kind of cool. But um, some people take that a lot more, uh, take that, have a lot more of that than other people. Do you know what I mean? People kind of run away with the idea that people are listening to them and kind of go, go, um, go wild with their article. That's cool. Well, I'm going to pass it over to you.
0: Cool, yeah. So <clears throat> we just heard about kind of your earliest involvement uh, in the companies that you're at. Um, particularly for you, for you two guys here that started your own thing, what were, the, what were the things that you learned in those kind of early days when you were setting things up?
2: Time. You need a lot of time. Because it sucks up every last minute of, <coughs> of your
3: day, basically. Yeah. Um, we pretty much learned everything. I Everything we know now, especially myself, because I'm still full-time on the site, has been learned through the Daily Street. And it's definitely a learn-on-the-job kind of thing, and that's what makes it really enjoyable, I think. Like, in terms of how to deal with PRs, I remember actually uh, when we first got invited down to a press day and replying to the email asking what we should do. Basically, like, what, should what, we app- should we what should we bring? And they, they almost laughed. I'd like, just turn up that's all you have to do
2: I had had a similar thing where um, on the previous incarnation of Breaks Mike got invited to first press day same thing and I was based in Newcastle at the time and I thought it was an actual press day and got the train down for the full day for one press day ended up hanging around wasting my time because it literally took about 10 minutes
3: yeah well yeah we kind of get stuck at them now for a couple of hours trying on clothes I don't think that's what you're meant to do by the way so I actually have photos of Alex wearing women's clothes at a press <laughs> day, so if you want to see them yeah. they are they were definitely men's clothes Tom.
0: if I can pass it over to, to you guys That's down there like, what, what were the biggest things that you learned when you got involved with the companies that you're at now you start with you, sir. Uh, yeah,
5: um, so as I said, I started, I hadn't really had any experience in anything before so literally everything was completely foreign to me, uh, completely alien you didn't like everyone, I echo everyone else's sentiments, didn't know what the hell the whole PR industry was. You didn't realise that that was in place. You speak to one or two people and you think, oh, wow, you know, I'm starting to understand things when you realise that there's, like, it's incredibly inane after a certain period of time. It's just uh, the romance sort of strips away a bit. But, uh, no, that's absolutely fine. Like, um, yeah, uh, it's really, really simple to learn it. After a few weeks, that you're just instantly back into the swing of things and you just get on with it really how about
0: yourself James?
4: Um, I kind of feel that um, it was alright um, getting into it and then um, my earliest involvement with um, ID was uh, I started off as an intern so then you kind of learn all the uh, you know ins and outs of the company before you kind of get to, kind of to write something and then when I wrote something it was really um, I don't know I don't know what I'm trying to say here forgot the um Repeat the question again. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the kind
0: of, what were the things that you learned when you first got involved with, with ID that perhaps you had different perceptions of how things would be?
4: Oh, yeah, I had no idea kind of what it was going <laughs> to be like. I had, because um, I'd, comp- I'd gone in from just not knowing how a magazine worked at all, and I had no idea what anything was going on. So, um, just kind of learning how to deal with PRs, receiving pitches, and pitching ideas myself, that was kind of the biggest thing, trying to just get my voice heard to the editors. Well, yeah, that was kind of one of the most difficult things that I found, you know, kind of what's what's a good idea, especially when I was surrounded by people with so many brilliant ideas, so many, like, interesting creative brains <coughs> that I kind of felt a bit pressured, um, surrounded by all of those. But, yeah, just kind of... That was one of the biggest challenges I had to kind of overcome.
5: Uh, for me, like, there wasn't really any of that. I suppose it's obviously different for c- different publications, but uh, there was no pressure to have to adapt and consider pictures or anything because as soon as I started on my first day at Dummy uh, within 20 minutes I'd already written my first article for them so it wasn't, um, I think people just have different experiences with certain things but as soon as you just thrown into the deep end you realise that what I did in those first 20 minutes is what I'm doing now, it's exactly the same basically so
3: It's quite interesting that they kind of joined into a publication as well whereas for us we didn't, other than Well, the same as anyone else looking at a blog or similar from the outside. We had no real previous experience of how to run one professionally, definitely. So we kind of had to experiment a lot in the early days and just... I don't know, we just did what felt right to us and then saw if it was right later on, if that makes sense. Do you reckon
0: that's almost a a blessing of not having that kind of pressure?
3: Um, It's both. It's a pressure in its own sense because you've got no guide. So you haven't got someone there to go, all right, I'll mentor, you, I'll mentor you through that. You're just kind of in the deep end trying to act as professional as possible. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it means that you cut your own path as such and you have complete freedom of what you want to do. Like I don't have an editor looming over or, or any of that kind of pressure, but then you've got the alternate pressure that you don't have anyone else to really fall back on. Yeah,
2: and uh, yeah, I guess the the stakes are greater. Huh? Yeah, I agree with Alex's point, yeah. Um, you're right. The stakes are greater, but ultimately, because it's our creation and and the, the team that works on it, it's our creation. So as long as you're writing what you truly believe, it's not really the wrong thing to do. You know, it's not you're not really <coughs> doing it wrong. You, if, if 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 right for you, it's right. That's because that's what you are, and that's the way. You- I,
3: I, I just said, so I don't think the stakes are greater at all. Because if I do something wrong, no one can fire me. So, do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> Whereas enough. I think these guys have got higher stakes in that sense.
0: So on the, uh, on, this, on the subject of kind of stakes and people coming to find you, are there any mistakes that you guys can share from from the early days of either your involvement or, or your creation of, of, of your projects? Um,
4: making mistakes, uh, kind of when you kind of learn the voice and the tonality of the publication, that was kind of a difficult thing. I've kind of had my own way of how I thought I liked to write or how I have my own way of how I like to write but how um, you think that... Uh, they might like it, they might not like it. You just, I didn't know. And then I kind of would write some, would write articles and they'd be like, you know, it's a bit too jokey or it's a bit <laughs> yeah, too, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, trying to be, trying to do something um, just to impress them. So I just, having to kind of learn to tone it down and what to kind of, yeah, find the voice and tone of the publication. I was taking cool. a difficult
3: one.
0: Any other mistakes anyone's willing to share? We've all gone shy.
3: No problem about that. I feel like James has I'm got tr- another one. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any specific ones. Yeah, I'm sure I'm there's sure something else. I'm sure we've got a world of mistakes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
0: But. That's cool, that's cool. We can, we can pass it on.
1: So um, the, the next question I wanted to ask, obviously I imagine you guys are all familiar with each other's publications. Um, obviously the theme of, of today's panel is about publications in the digital age. There, is, there are a lot of them. There are a lot of blogs. There are a lot of people sharing their opinions on, you know, whether it be fashion, music, or anything. Um, is there anything in particular that you guys, with, with your own publications, sort of commit to, to feel as though this is a piece of work that is only going to be read on our publication? Is there anything you strive for to keep things original or
2: specific to your publication? Anyone who want to pick that up? Um... I don't know, I guess everything we do is, is sort of falls into that category because everything we do, we create ourselves and so it, it becomes very us and very breaks, you know? So we, we can't really deviate too far from that anyway because just by the nature of the way we publish content, it becomes
1: very much our own stuff. You know? Do you feel any pressure from the number, the vast nature of the sort of cultural hubs that, you know, the blogs and the various websites that there are now and being sort of one of those publications? Do you feel like there's a sea of those things or...? Are you happy just kind of, you know?
2: There are a lot of them. Um, Do you want to take
3: some? I think it's, like, definitely worthwhile being aware of all the other sites out there, what they're up to, because, you know, whether they're bringing anything new to the table. It was very different. When we started, it was just over four years ago now, and there definitely weren't as many blogs out there, whether that's because I just didn't, I wasn't (coughs) as aware of them, or there actually weren't. There were definitely less doing what, kind of we were doing at the time um, I think it's nothing but a good thing that more have come up mean, more competition just means you work harder but in terms of being original it's a bit of a grey area because as long as you're writing your own content then technically it's original yeah, yeah, and if course. you're putting a, your opinion in it as well but then what Tom was referring to earlier in terms of not kind of doing covering exactly the same thing as what everyone else is and that there is a kind of scale of originality definitely if you're completely creating it from scratch then no one can touch you on that I guess and when you guys were starting out I guess this is
1: more specific to you guys when you were starting out what was the sort of mission statement for what you wanted to you wanted to see you wanted to publish pieces based on this sort of thing what was
3: the I mean for us particularly it was the main focus on what at the time was quite a burgeoning kind of UK streetwear scene I guess with a lot of upstart brands and there was a lot of them popping up there were events for them <clears throat> and we felt that none of the major global blogs were really kind of shining enough attention on the UK in terms of brands, in terms of events and so that, that was our kind of focus back then in that four years the other blogs have caught up and are paying the UK a lot more attention, the t- attention that it deserves and um, a lot of the brands have folded as well I think that kind of scene has shrunk Quite drastically,
2: for us, um, a lot of the desire to interview people and to people that we feature was driven out of a genuine interest in, in what the people had to say and and their brands and those people. So it really, it's quite driven by sort of people and knowledge and stuff. We wanted to, the, the kind of basic loose idea behind it was that if we wanted to know more about the person or the brand, then likelihood is that some of the people would do too. So by showcasing that, you're creating a, you know, it creates people wanting to read. So it's very much driven by by that. That's cool. That's really cool, yeah,
3: I think like at the core of it, especially when you set up your own site, really you should always be writing what you want to read. Um it's what we all start like we always say that the three of us started a blog the blog that we wanted that we didn't feel was out there. I'm sure that's probably why you started what you're doing. Um and as long as you are still interested in what you're reading and the topic you're going for, then I guess you can only hope that other people are as well. That's great. In selling James, uh, with what you what you guys are doing at your publications, are
1: there certain things that you, you know, you take particular pleasure in, in writing about is there a sort of you know
5: is there a mission uh, you know a dummy is you know what what you want to yeah. cover uh yeah um well one of the major things for us is making sure that our features are really good um you're saying earlier talking about like covering the same things a lot of people do uh, there is a worry that a lot of other sites have a kind of a homogenized sort of content you might see it all uh but one thing that you can always make sure is always original is that to make sure that you're just doing really good, really in-depth features. You're actually making sure that you're being a journalist, going out there and speaking to them directly, face-to-face, um, you know, and just making sure that you're just really doing the absolute best that you can uh, with the, uh, the longer pieces. And that's what I think most people find rewarding. It's what most people would probably think gives us our identity, I'd have thought. so. Great.
4: As I say, uh, as Alex said... Um, I always kind of like to write what I would like to read, and I suppose that's a really um, good thing to kind of do. And always believe in the, the the content that you would want to see. So write about what you believe. And if I don't know if there's um uh like other things that other publications are doing, I feel like it's good to, to kind of take note of what they're doing, kind of see what they're see what they're also not doing, see if what they're talking about, and kind of maybe um write about people or you know musicians or artists or brands or anyone but come at them from a different angle so i like to kind of you know put put them in a different scenario and kind of take (coughs) stuff that way but always kind of keep it um integral to this kind of tone of id and um the way that id has always been like fans first and not critics do you know what
1: i mean yeah yeah certainly that's cool for the fans yeah, that's cool. So, um, focusing on the idea of writing about stuff that you love, uh, you know, things, things that you love and that you're passionate about, all four of you guys represent a very acclaimed brands um, and publications. I hope you don't mind me saying that. Um, what, uh, do you ever feel any pressures from, from artists, from a musical perspective, or um, brands from a fashion perspective, coming to you guys and saying, hey, we'd like you for, you know, we appreciate the platform that you guys are on, we'd like for you to feature our work. I mean, do you ever feel any pressure to to sort of oblige them of that, and then maybe you're not necessarily feeling
2: the music or the or the work? We we got a lot of people coming coming to us, especially with music and stuff that maybe we wouldn't be right for the site. But we've definitely found that there's nobody we've actually wanted to feature that's definitely come straight to us. It's always been the other way around. It's has a uphill battle, but um, you, you get a lot of, and I'm sure Alex gets it quite a lot with streetwear and stuff. You get a lot of brands and, and musicians and stuff trying to really trying to get on there. Um, <coughs> And it's it's a it's a tightrope walk, really, to reply to that sort of thing. Um, it sounds really big-headed, but you kind of got to let them down gently in a way. I think that's a
4: lot there with um, PRs as well, because PRs are always try, they're trying to basically they've got a job to do, and they're just they'll pitch and pitch and pitch away, and sometimes it's really difficult to say no to them. And you just kind of you know they all at the end of the day all they really want is a yes or a no. But the kind of the pressure that you get from them to kind of um, say yes to features of a, a piece of content. Um, yeah, they're really pressuring us, I'm sure you understand.
2: It gets worse when they're a friend as well, if they're friend who works in PR,
3: because then it's all about favors and it's even. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. Over time, PRs become friends as well, jumping into that point. Yeah, we get a lot of requests. Um, you just, you just got to be honest, is what we've learned through it, and say, I'm sorry, it's not our kind of thing. Um, sometimes it doesn't go down too well. Most of the times, if it's PRs, they 're fine they 've tried they can turn around to their clients say that if it 's someone who owns a brand, the younger ones it 's a bit harder. Uh, we always try then to explain why and if you know if we 've got faith in what they 're doing, then we'll kind of give them some advice and I hope it goes down well. but yeah we do get a, an almost unending request of people trying to get on the site, which is good it 's re- a really good sign, but then on the, the other side of it you 've got the much larger brands who you do want to feature and they you know, they want to make sure that when you are featuring them, it's in, a, it's in the right light, etc. So you have to kind of work along with them. But then at the same time, they've come to you in the first place because of the journalistic integrity that you've built up through not doing that. So it is a balance. Um, and from running your own publications, when was the first time
1: that a brand that you, you know, were highly, you're a huge fan of, came to you? And you thought, wow, this is, this is pretty exciting.
3: The first time? Yeah. I think one of the first most memorable times was when me and Adam found ourselves uh, invited to the Nike offices and just... It's one of those ones you're regularly pinching yourself as as a big fan of that brand. And it's the same with with any of them, really. I think I still get it today. Like, quite regularly, kind of remind myself that this is just ridiculous. That's great. That's really cool.
1: And so, have you got anything
3: to add
5: in that that vein? Uh, It's just... Uh, when, if you get the chance to sort of, uh, I mean, from a music perspective, just uh, people that you really admire and really respect musically, if you get the chance to meet them or interview them or something, uh, I'm really lucky. Uh, as I said, I haven't really even been doing this that long, but I've been very lucky to have met a lot of my heroes and been able to interview them. And, you know, it's just like every time it's just fantastic, so.
0: Great. Following on from that, um, we'll pass it on to, to James first. What's kind of, what have been the highlights of your time with, with, with ID and for the rest of you guys, what have been the highlights in your time with who you were
4: with? Uh, it's been kind of, it's been a great journey so far, um, starting off with them as an intern and kind of just being allowed to do um, more and more uh, and work and interview some, some people that, and be given the uh, opportunity to interview people and, uh, and just meet so many people that you're fans of yourself and um, you get to kind of do some go to amazing events and, you know, um, yeah, just interview, interviewing and meeting people that you're genuinely a fan of is, um, is really rewarding because you kind of, not only do you kind of take what you need from them for the publication, but you also kind of learn from them what you would want to know from them yourself. Do you know what I mean? If you like, if I was, interviewing, um, who was it? Seth Troxler and he's, um, He's, he's crazy, but he's, uh, I'm a big fan of him and his kind of outlook on life and his, just the way he is and his demeanour, even though he's a bit of a nutter. He's, um, I was just yeah, in awe of kind of the way he was. So, yeah, just like, taking from people what um, their character's like, yeah, that nice. kind of stuff.
2: Any other highlights? Yeah, um, our, our, my biggest highlight so far is quite recent. We, the current issue we've got out, we have uh, Marronson on the cover, who's obviously a huge. You know, pop star, and that was a big highlight for uh, for me, and I uh, know for Louis, a music editor, and um, that was great actually to be able to, because you never really thought we started out that we'd be able to have the opportunity, like you were saying, to interview your heroes and to be able to sit in a room with somebody of of that stature. It's quite rare, and it's it's really nice, especially when they turn out to be nice and not be you know total asshole. So,
3: I think um, to be honest, the last four years have been like a pretty big highlight in general. There's I'm very thankful that's a very long list but I think the biggest ones are when when you kind of bring it up if someone says oh what do you do and you bring it up and they actually know do you know what I mean it's when it's something you've started as well that yeah. that never gets old to be honest and it's always a bit of a shock and other than that it's, it's what these guys were saying about meeting idols and like just finding out how nice a lot of them are as well I find that a lot of the big designers we've interviewed like Tinker Hatfield for example who you know Designed with early Jordans and Air Max. Me and him, they're really, really humble people, um, which is just endlessly inspiring.
0: If only we, we could ask you about the people that aren't so humble and the, uh, the nightmares, but we'll, we'll leave I that for another time. I don't think bit. I've really
3: met many, to be fair. Like, I don't think so. not think I can remember anyway. Good answer.
2: They're usually, they're usually worse over email rather than in person. Or they get their PR to be the, the, the bad cop and they're the good cop. That's usually the approach they take.
4: MANAGERS ARE ALWAYS TRICKY AS WELL. DEALING WITH ARTIST MANAGERS, SOMETIMES they're, uh, THEY KIND OF KNOW WHAT THEY WANT AND THEY'RE A BIT AGGRESSIVE WITH uh, PUBLICATIONS,
3: SO DEALING WITH THEM IS SOMETIMES A TRICKY ONE. It's usually the agents and managers that are p- like paid to be that because the artists are really nice. Do yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's always the way.
0: So, uh, so you're mentioning kind of agents, managers, that kind of stuff as challenges for each of you um, what do you see as kind of the biggest challenge to, to the place you're at now um, going forward so we've, we've talked about digital age um, some of you are still managing to, to publish in, in print some people have faced that challenge already what, what are the biggest challenges you see going forward
2: uh, our biggest challenge with breaks is like legitimacy almost <coughs> and to be taken seriously because when you're up against you know you're pitching for to interview somebody or for a piece you're up against the likes of ID and Dummy who are really established and as a newcomer it that's quite difficult to get the sort of attention and that you think that you know you can capitalize on. Well, not capitalize on, but I don't know if we've got in the room a particular person like Mark Ronson, for example, we could smash it and do a really good piece. And it's convincing the gatekeepers to that that we are good enough to be able to do that sort of content. That's our biggest challenge.
3: Uh, I guess our biggest challenge, especially this year, and, and most, of, most of the time, is kind of like, where do we go next? So what's the next stage? It's trying to work that out each time. And um, for us this year, that's all about kind of introducing the Daily Street and our content to new people and new audiences is the main focus, I think.
0: Is that new audiences kind of globally or different audiences? No, 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 still trying
3: to stick within our niche of the UK male consumer, I guess.
0: Cool. I'm passing it down the line.
3: I feel like ID's
4: um, biggest challenge at the moment is, if you didn't know, ID has just been... um, taken over by vice and so they're now uh, branching into the world of video and so making uh, a big sort of journey into fashion film and video and they're a um i think that's the biggest challenge for them at the moment trying to fit into the market when you've got competitors like um days doing um, video uh, nowness and show studio all these people that kind of take um i've got a big video uh, fashion video following and kind of yeah following into those guys as far
5: uh, I think for us, it's making sure that we can continue to grow in a logical, sensible way without sort of losing focus on the fact that we do focus on underground pop music. Uh, so, trying to grow, making sure that your writers are, you know, can, can grow as well, can always get paid, and uh, but you're not diluting the identity that you've established for the past like five years with a quite a small audience. So,
0: amazing and uh, and lastly before we kind of pass it over to the floor for a little bit what advice can you give people who, who can see you up here and think yeah I'd like that job uh, what, what, how, what should
2: they do just just start it There's uh, certainly in, in terms of what, what Alex and I do there's there's no real barriers going online and setting up a blog is free it, all it costs is your time if you want to do it and you've got a rich idea then there's, no, there's nothing really stopping you the only thing stopping you is yourself really and your own motivation so there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't do your own thing and be up in here with,
3: with Alex and I and these guys, you know, so. Yeah, I'd have to agree on that one. I think um, kind of if you've got faith in what you're doing, then just keep charging head with it until it works, essentially. Obviously, if it's going completely wrong, question why. But um, you do have to have a certain element of what we like to call, I guess, kind of blind stubbornness that if you want it to succeed, you've got to drive it through. Um, so that would be my advice, I guess. Uh, and then that thing of um, just make sure you're writing content or whatever you're doing, that you, like first and foremost you're happy with it. Um, and then if other people like it, that's great.
4: I would just kind of say don't be afraid to don't be afraid to pick up the phone. Don't be afraid to send emails to people. And even though it's pestering, people may not read the, your email the first time around or the second time around. But, yeah, definitely kind of, you know, s- Send them an email, to let them know that you're a real person
2: and just, yeah, don't be afraid to pester.
0: Be prepared for your email inboxes to be full tomorrow
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my email is cinematics at cinematicsatadourlystreet.com
5: The important thing yeah. is if you've got, if you feel like you have something to say but, um, but no one else is saying, then like, there's literally no reason why you can't be saying that. There's, there's nothing to stop you nowadays, I don't think. Um, so as long as you're doing something that nobody else is, then I do believe that you will find an audience for what you're writing.
0: Amazing. Thanks so much, guys. Um, we've, we've got some more questions in a little bit, but I'd like to open it out to the floor if anyone's got any questions to ask these guys. Over there. That chap in the nice coat. Um, I think this is more appropriate for the guys, two guys in the middle, for startups. How did you get about breaking through that glass ceiling of... Going from just like a startup blog into like making it full time or monetizing it or, you know, doing it as a profession?
2: Blind arrogance. <laughs> uh, yeah. And just never, just as Alex was saying earlier, just keeping going with it. If you really believe that what you're doing is the right thing, keep going. Don't give up because it will, it will, it will work out. Well, it might not work out, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I think. <laughs>
3: I think you've touched on a good thing that probably should have been my answer earlier to what the biggest challenges are. Is that the grey area between where PRs and brands pick up what you're doing as a reputable source of journalism, and then being a company anywhere near the size these guys are at is actually quite a big gap, and it's something that it's an area we're kind of still exploring at the moment. Um, there is a certain element that you've just got to kind of hustle and do the best you can. And I mean, for a large part of it, you're, you're doing evening work. We were fortunate that we launched when we were still at uni. So we had student loans to fall back on for a, a decent amount of time. But I don't, to be honest, I think in a way, you kind of, you'll, you'll make it work. Like, I know that's horribly vague. Um, but <laughs> as I say, we're kind of making it up as we go along. So The other thing as well is a, we
2: be really got a spotting opportunity. If you, um, if, if you keep your eyes on what other people in the same space are doing and you see that they've got an opportunity to do something, the likelihood is the way that PR marketing works is that a few sites would have been offered that same opportunity. So if they are getting the chance to do it, then, then you probably can do as well. So if you, if you spot the opportunity and follow it through and you can bring that up with the other uh, managers, artist, or brand or whatever, and, and that's like a quite good way to get your leg in the door because they're looking for coverage and stuff and you pipe up and it's quite a good way to get in with those guys.
3: And I think as well like one more bit of advice on that would be don't be afraid to reach out to people that are doing it and ask for advice. I think as long as your request is genuine and and they're quite humble about it, then it should shouldn't be a problem like if if they don't give you any advice, then they're probably not worth getting it off essentially. Now I'm going to get a lot of emails to yeah. <laughs> Tom,
0: just off the back of that um so for some of you guys it's a it's a full time thing that you're doing. How do you kind of um, shuffle full-time work and, and running a successful publication?
2: With difficulty and a lack of sleep, mainly. But again, it's becoming done to, it's comes down to if uh, if it's what you believe in, then then go for it and find every minute, spare minute you've got to make it happen. You know, don't you know? There's there's many reasons why you you'd want to, you can put it off and be like I can do it tomorrow, but it's got. To but you kind through. of change your business model as well to work around that. Yeah, we know? did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. So we changed. Um, so we do less frequent issues. We do four a year, so we do it quarterly. And that sort of enables me to, you know, enables me to be able to fit that around um, my, my day job and, and everything else that comes with it, so. Cool. Any more questions?
5: Um, with online video uh, becoming more and more
1: prominent in the industry now, um, how are you guys using online video um,
5: to your advantage?
4: ID are um, using online video. We're kind of, in a sense, using a lot of what Vice have got. If you're familiar with um, Vice, they're very um, big on their documentaries and their news and kind of being at the forefront of what's happening in youth culture at the moment. So kind of um, documenting what's happening there, but also kind of curating really interesting content, be it you know original um, music videos or... Uh, you know, just kind of interesting um, projects that kind of put, um, give a different spin on uh, a subject, be it an artist or a designer or a creator or, you know, anything. Um, just kind of, yeah, portraying it in a different light as well and differentiating the content from what's already there. If that helps.
2: With video as well, that's an interesting point. I remember a few years ago when everyone was saying, oh, you know, the internet, kids have uh, short attention spans and not bite-sized content and things quickly. And actually, if you go onto Vice's YouTube channel, the most watched videos of their entire existence are their really long-form documentaries. So it's interesting that actually um, people are still doing long-form video content and it is getting watched and it is popular. Right. Yeah, it's true
0: and for the guys that don't do video or don't do much video is that a conscious decision like if, is it something like you don't want to go half heartedly into something
5: yeah um we we do do video content but not much um it's expensive for one um it's a major thing but uh, so if you don't have resources for it that's one thing uh, i mean we we'll do it if if it's a, like about an artist for example if you think the video is the right thing for them like it's it's you can't just do a certain piece, like a certain piece of content if you don't think it's the right thing for the subject. So, um, so we'll do video when it's more interesting, but more than anything, we just want to make sure that the writing that we have on our website is the best it could be. And <coughs> that will probably, well, it will always be our major focus, irrespective of wh- however our video grows. So.
3: Um, I would love to do more video on the site, if I'm being honest. Uh, as you said, quite rightfully, it is expensive, both financially and in time as well. Uh, and when you are doing it, kind of, you don't have a company behind with budget. It's hard to then, there's only so many favors you can pull in as such, other than learning to do it yourself, But th- which is still very time-consuming. But yeah, I think you raise a good point. Our video is definitely a big focus uh, moving forward for any digital publication I think it's really important Cool Was there a question over there?
0: Kind of following on from that um, how do you think like the digital age is affecting the magazine print industry? Because obviously with video it's not as collectible and that's kind of one of the like desirable aspects I think of magazines
3: I mean personally I feel like print's having a bit of resurgence I, I definitely think Uh, from where I'm seeing it it's more popular it's coming back like whenever we talk to anyone about doing print people love the idea Um, and our advertising network assures us that print advertising isn't dead as well so I I think there's not from chatting to people who work in that industry there's not as much room for mediocre magazines anymore because of the credit crunch and the economic crisis as such but um, I think there's still room it's just Probably the the market shrunk. Yeah, as I say, with the introduction of
4: of video, um, the the print is still print has declined slightly um, over the past sort of ten years. Um, it's kind of increased, as you say, a bit of more of a resurgence at the moment. Where yeah, there was definitely not as much um, not as much print demand as there was ten years ago, but kind of yeah, IDs IDs print um, demand is still. Still there and it's still quite big globally. So it's not affecting it too um too much. But we're kind of using video um content and crossing it over into the magazine. So kind of getting video content and putting that online but then also kind of extending that and make curating um print content out of the the same video project oh. as well. And Tom,
0: um just on that point of quality kind of floating to the top, do you think that's you need to kind of concentrate more, uh, for example, how you've taken your, your magazine to a to the issue.
2: Yeah, um, definitely. Um, it, it pays off. Rushing anything never really works out for anybody. And um, definitely take the time to make sure that what you, your output is as, is as quality as possible and the best it can possibly be. And it's worth waiting for. And it's worth waiting and putting it back and, and getting it right and putting out something substandard. And and the repercussions of that can be, you know, endless. Cool. Hi. Um, what I was going to ask... Hi, Adam. Hi. Um, one of the things that struck me about the title of the talk, um, and
1: it's obviously very relevant to ID and Vice in, in particular, um, is how do you stay relevant? So, I mean, ID obviously working with Vice now, there's a big transition digitally. Um, but for the rest of you
2: guys, moving forward. Go on, The essential relevance question. Um. Uh, I I don't know how to answer that because we never really set out or or gear any of our content to try and stay relevant. Um, it's it's. I like to think that it's from an honest place where it's generally what we're interested in, and and by that it's relevant to us, you know. So that's how you know that's how we approach it. So that's a rubbish answer. I'm sorry, but. <laughs> so. Um. I I mean, relevance for us is just
5: it's. Uh, making sure that we're writing about stuff that's coming through and that's current and that's the right fit for us but I don't think any of anything that we would be doing wouldn't really be fitting in with that because I don't think anyone who who wants to work for us would want to do anything that wasn't like really sort of really brand new basically Um, so you're kind of constantly I guess kind of ahead of the game uh, of stuff that's breaking through so that's sort of our remit I suppose and you wouldn't you wouldn't have people that want to contribute to our publication but would not want to sort of maintain that. So,
4: I feel like there's also no reason why you can't make something relevant if you want to write about something. And um, I was just going back to like if you believe in it, then be the first person to write about it. You know, put that out there first. Don't just wait for someone else to kind of pick up on it and for, or for you to hear about it or for it to become relevant for you to then, you know, think, oh, this is relevant. I'm going to write about it now. Just if you, if you think it's hot, then, then
3: do it.
1: You've lost the mic now, but are you happy? He's very happy, that's cool. I just want
3: to say as well is the one thing that people haven't really touched on yet, I guess, is it's a balance as well, especially when you're running your own site, between staying relevant in regards to content and and then digitally as well. And I'm sure, like, you guys have probably got tech teams behind it or something of vice, but um, there is a kind of, you kind of have to stay just open-minded, I guess, and aware to what's going on in the subject you're writing about and then in terms of Running, you're running a website as well, so the digital advancements or whether it's, whether it's video or certain functionalities, etc.
1: Great, thank you. Uh, anyone else? Any more questions? <coughs> Lots of questions.
3: I just want to ask, uh, in terms of, sort of the way digital works against print, the traditional way that print would work is that you'd have a kind of holistic product that would have a whole array of stuff in, some that would be really popular and other stuff that would kind of balance against that. Um, with digital, you've got analytics that give you immediate feedback on every single article. How important is that to the way that you drive content? And do you find yourself gutting certain stuff that you like because you know it isn't going to work?
2: Good question. Good question. Um, so far, we haven't had to do that. But it's interesting to see how uh, the feedback comes to digital because you write right because it's so easy to monitor. Um, interesting fact, the guy who asked a question, Tom, actually writes for us. And a lot of his features are the most popular ones that we put out. <laughs> So I feel like he asked that question to serve his own
3: ego, but we'll let that slide. <laughs> uh, I think if you're gutting content that you want to write because it's not getting enough hits, then you're doing something wrong, basically. Um, back it up with stuff that you know is going to be popular, but you, you've got to put out the stuff that you want to put out as well. Otherwise, if you're, if you're not writing for yourself, then you, you are properly doing a job. Do you know what I mean? <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah I'd, i wouldn't ever want to post something just because i think it's popular and ignore something that i really love like um like you'd make time for it you would have to be quite reactive obviously if things are breaking through i mean i know it's music it's not like rolling news but you know like if burial post a selfie then you're just gonna have to talk about that and you know it's gonna get quick hits really quickly but um you know that doesn't mean that you can't talk about something that you've been sent but like you really love and no one else has talked about yet like you know later on (laughs) it's it's not too hard so Uh,
3: again I think it's just an awareness you should be really aware of your analytics and how your content's doing but it shouldn't really be dictating everything you put up because there's if you want to be an influential site on a topic you have to to an extent be dictating that topic as well um, and if you're just going by what other people want to read, then you, you know, you're just a, a kind of run-of-the-mill site with a lot of traffic, basically, if, in my opinion, anyway. I suppose if ID and
4: vice, or in, and being um, like global, you can kind of use geo-analytics to kind of tailor content to what's popular in different countries as well. So um, you can use those analytics. To, if something's popular in Italy, then you'd be like, okay... People like this kind of this kind of content in Italy, but we'd never co- kind of sidetrack something uh, or ignore something purely for the sake of getting hits on something else.
0: There was a question at the back. There. can we get a mic over there?
1: Okay, I've got two questions. Okay, what would you say the most effective ways are to market your digital publication, and how do you guys gain revenue from your digital
2: publication?
0: Should we start off with them with the marketing question so you can
2: We market it by telling every living salt we meet where to go and to see the content and making them do it? Go on the site now in front of you. Yeah.
3: they're both really quite hard questions to answer, to be honest, um, because there's a landmine of different answers to both of them. Um, and especially if you're starting your own thing you kind of have to take advantage of every single opportunity you can like Tom said there there are ways that actually what well, I've learned through Tom but there are ways that uh, you can seed your content out if you're getting really good exclusive content then you know if you're doing your own photo shoots you can get it reblogged and that's really you know by the larger larger blogs out there and that's good for traffic and audience growth but um, I don't know you've got to kind of test the field I guess uh, with the marketing and see what works for you and depending on what content you're writing really what topics
2: um, yeah actually on that note because all the stuff we, we produce is original it, we have a license to put it wherever we want really so we, we, we treat it each piece as a marketing opportunity and try and place it on bigger bigger blogs and sites and stuff like Alex said so that's a really good way of doing it because if you think that you share a similar space with somebody then, then putting your content in front of their eyes on that will lead them back to you and you know basically
3: who wants to take the uh, the money question first?
4: Oh, I don't deal with anything to do with money. So.
3: <laughs> um, monetizing a blog or digital publication then, okay. Um, it's different for each different business model, I guess. You need to work out what yours is going to be. There are several different routes you could go down, whether it's display <laughs> advertising, advertorial, affiliate marketing. Um, you can get into events, media partnerships, um, there's, there's literally a lot of different routes. Some of them you'll end up making up, but uh, from what I've learned over the years is that you kind of end up working out what works best for your site and what works best for your audience so that you can make revenue off it without kind of trampling on your credibility, I guess. way. So it's, it's, it is a real balance. But um, one one we're still figuring out in full.
2: It's yeah, it's a never-ending story that one. The um, just as you said, trying to figure it out and figure out what works best for you. For us, especially, um, we a lot of the, our revenue is is creating content for the client. So you know, we produce our own content around brands and stuff, and they see that and they they want the same thing. They want us to do our take on on their on their stuff. So that's sort of a lot of the way that we do it. So basically, avatorial essentially, but or paid content wherever you want to view it.
0: And so, how much? Um, what's the kind of situation with dummy magazine uh i don't really have to deal with a lot of that side of things
5: because i'm just yet. so we have owners of the site so um i mean i've had to write advertorial and stuff like that it's not uh, we've only ever done it when it's been relevant to us and i'm sure it's the same with everyone like uh it's one of the uh, better paying ways on uh, yeah it's one of the things that pays best in terms of advertising so it's kind of fine in that respect, but yeah, we'd never do anything that's not, uh, that's not relevant to us or relevant to our readers, more importantly.
2: Ultimately, as well, think about what's going to give you the be- better income, you know, like how many of you actually click on banner ads on sites? See, none of you. So, <laughs> paid content is and avatar and stuff is is a, is a better way to go.
0: Cool. I think we've got time for a, for a couple more questions, if, if they're out there.
1: Hello, guys. Um, This is to everyone who ever wants to take it. In your opinion, if you were to start up your own publication, either now or this year or something like that, would you go for just digital or would you take a mix of digital and print, like as in right now in this digital age?
2: It's money, isn't it? Print costs digital, I guess, is kind of free. So if you want to back me, I'll do print. But (laughs) I can't really afford to do it.
3: Uh, I think if I was starting again now, I'd probably go print at the moment. Um, and that's whether that would be a good idea I have no idea but um, I think that's partly down to again personal passion I really enjoy print publications I think there's a good market at the moment for free print publications they seem to be doing pretty well Um, as Tom says though that does include a decent amount of backing but then if you don't know a web developer well enough to get a site built for free that's also going to cost a certain amount of money so yeah, we're fortunate that we're related to web developers. Both yeah, full of us. disclosure, both
2: our brothers are web developers, so uh, kind of looked out with that one. So yeah, fa- family—that's
3: what you need. Good family.
4: <laughs> and
0: how about you guys? If you were to to go at it alone,
4: I suppose if I was going to go alone, I'd probably start off on um, digital route to start with. There's something really nice and pleasing about having something that you can actually hold and you know physically um, have and read, and it's kind of a timeless piece. Whereas you know internet is kind of quick, fast, moving. So I'd I'd start off with um, the digital and then move into something tangible later
3: on.
5: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I love print. Um, I love magazines. I have, as a freelancer, I write for print quite a bit. Um, But I would always start digital now. Like, it's just, it seems like a no brainer to me. I really like digital. Uh, I think it's great. It's just so easy to be able to say something. Um, You don't really have to, you know, you don't necessarily have to censor yourself or anything like that. I mean, you, know, you don't really have to anyway, but, like, it's, uh, you know, you know, you can get instant feedback on things just in terms of, you know, when people are talking about you, or connecting with you and stuff like that, and it's just, yeah, I, I, think print's, uh, I think print's great, but I think digital is, like, just excellent, so. Uh,
3: just to clarify as well, actually, thinking about it, had I not started the Daily Street at all, then I would probably start digital now. Um, I think part of the print, answer is because i'm probably quite acclimatized to digital and quite used to it now so it's something new and exciting i guess print for me but yeah if, if i was starting from scratch and hadn't really started any of it yet i'd, I'd go into print just uh, not print sorry digital just because there's no or the risk is a lot less basically the risk is a lot less
1: cool so um do you have a question no he doesn't have a. One, we've got we've got time for one last question
3: yeah perfect
0: Hey, my name's Ralph, by the way. How you doing? Hi, um, Ralph. Mine's more hey, of a Ralph. Sc- hey, thanks. How you doing? Mine's more of a scenario. Let's just say um, um Scaletrix or or Barbie want to have ad space on your website but it has nothing to do with your website but they offer you like a crap load of money. What's the decision between integrity and currency? How does that pan out for you? We were talking about this before we came out. What's your, what's your price? How much money
2: are we
3: talking?
0: <laughs> you, you put the figure on, not me.
3: Uh, if it was if it was Barbie it'd be a definite no because we're a men's website it's completely irrelevant If but it's I could, a lot of money if there's a lot of money and I could <laughs> it depends how good you are at finding relevance in something I guess but and whether you're going to try and pull the wall over your own eyes but uh, we've turned down like really good advertisers before just because they're not relevant at all you could put it on Ken clothes and then it'd be relevant to men's wear yeah so that a lot of money yeah <laughs> Suppose with ID, we would never kind
4: of put something on there that's not, um, you know, uh, specific to the audience of ID. We would never, yeah, that something like Barbie would never kind of um, get on the site unless it was like, you know, an, a historical celebration of Barbie <laughs> in some way that was fashion,
2: fashion-related. Are you I working for <laughs> Barbie? Is this all? Is this I'm leading a, into? I'm a, <laughs>
5: Uh, More importantly, Barbie would never come to you. So it's
4: just not going to happen. But yeah. um. I have actually been pitched Barbie before. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was like Barbie's turning however old. Would you like to feature this? No, thank you.
2: Amazing. Did they offer you money? No. (laughs) There's your answer.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Well, uh, I think that's everything we've got time for. So a uh, big round of applause for our, for our speakers, Bill. Thanks very much for coming in, guys. And uh, thanks, everyone, for coming down. We, um, we should be back here next month with another exciting panel. Thank you very much.